0: Hey everyone, what's up and welcome back to the first ever episode of After Class Conversations. I'm your host, Jason Oriana, and I'm so happy that you are joining me and I really hope that we can connect and inspire one another with this podcast. Today's quote is as follows, the hardest part about growing up is letting go of what you were used to and moving on with something you are not. What a powerful quote. You know, I chose this quote because today I'll be joined by my very close friend and former colleague slash boss, Julissa White. Julissa is a human capital management professional in the Fortune 500 space. She recently accepted an offer and started her new role at Johnson & Johnson at their headquarters in the Global Talent Management Department. Julissa served as student body president at Florida Gulf Coast University which is when I was her chief of staff and she was my boss, (laughs) and as a congressional intern for Florida's 19th congressional district. She also served as Florida Student Association's chair and was elected as a result as the member of the Florida Board of Governors servicing higher education in the state of Florida. She currently attends the University of Maryland pursuing her master's degree and graduated from Florida Gulf Coast University back in 2018 with her bachelor's degree. In her free time, Jaleesa enjoys reading books, traveling, and creating content on YouTube. Now, Jaleesa and I are going to be diving deep in the subject of post-grad life and what it was like for both of us to move on from being in very public roles to now moving on to private roles. We're going to talk about the adjustment from what we did before to what we do now, And this will apply in many different areas of our lives as well. If you're someone who just changed your major, or you just changed jobs, or you even just moved to a new city, adjusting can be very, very difficult. But it's nothing any of us can't handle. Even the COVID pandemic proved to be an adjustment that we all had to face together, and some of us are still adjusting today. It's important to note that adjusting is a process but we also have to know that we are strong, powerful, and courageous as a result of our ability to take on this process. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back everyone. I wanna welcome back or welcome for the first time Jaleesa White. Jaleesa, how are you?
1: Good. How are you, Jason?
0: I'm doing really, really well. I'm excited to have you
1: on. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah. So this is the first ever episode of After Class Conversations, and I'm glad you're going to be the first person that I'm going to be having on here just because um, we have such a long history of working with each other, such a long history of friendship. So I'm very excited to have you here because I feel like you have a lot to share. Um, yes. So with that said, welcome to it.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So today's topic is going to be about post-grad life, you know, what it was right before you left, um, right before you left your undergrad right before you left grad school and how you transitioned into adulthood. So why don't you get us started with uh, what it is you're doing now, what your degrees are mm-hmm. in, and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Yes. So, hi, everyone. My name is Jaleesa. Welcome. I actually just started a role two weeks ago at Johnson & Johnson in their corporate office. Um, I serve on their global talent management team. So I essentially uh, manage talent within the business and then also work on specific projects that are focused on um, talent, diversity and inclusion, talent acquisition, really just uh, managing people and the talent within the business. Uh, Went to Florida Gulf Coast University for my undergrad degree, um, graduated, and then started a little bit of my master's degree. Um, Wanted to go into politics, was super set on it. I had interned with Congress, and I just really wanted to go into politics. Um, And then I joined Hertz Global Headquarters in 2019 as an intern, and then I worked in the talent acquisition department uh, full-time, pandemic hits, gets laid off, um, and then I went to work for um, a smaller company um, that was acquired by Willis Towers Watson, and then recently just joined Johnson & Johnson in their global talent management team.
0: Perfect. That's so exciting. So what, you know, I like to mention that before when you were in an undergrad and the beginning of grad school, you were student body president, two-term student body president at FGCU. Yes. What was it like you know, you were in such a public role. And I remember because I served as your chief of staff for your second term, which was such yes. a great experience. But following that, you know, what was it like transitioning to a, from a very public role down to a very private role? You know, not everybody calling you every 10 minutes and, you know, emails back and forth and event planning and meetings and stuff like that. What was it like then transitioning to just a regular nine to five Monday through Friday. What was that like?
1: Yes. so I served as student body president for two years, but then even before that, I served as student Government Senate secretary and then was involved in other things as well. So was very when I became student body president, it was really a public position. Everyone knows the position and everyone knows who you are because of the position that you're in. Um, and people see you as that. People saw Jaleesa as student body president and that is her identity. And I think a lot of times, and I think a lot of student leaders in general can relate to this, you get known and sometimes your identity can get wrapped up in a position of what you were in. So like a lot of senators, a lot of um, executive members, you become the student body president, student body vice president, director this, chief of staff this, And I think really transitioning from the public life to the more private life, I thought I was really going to struggle. Um, And at first it was a little bit of a shock. I was like, okay, I really don't have anything to do. No one needs me anymore. I'm really transitioning out and letting, you know, the next person take reign. But I think really transitioning from that nine to five life, it really helps me to understand that the position that you're in is not your identity. And once you leave a position, you're still the same person that you were before you were in it. Um, And so I think really transitioning from that public life to more of a, a personal and private life, I think I really enjoyed it. And I know people who really struggled with it. I've had friends who went to different universities who they really, really struggled with, you know, I'm feeling like that was my whole identity and now I don't know who I am. Um, but I think really for me, I just loved having that kind of private, personal life back. And I think, you know, it's just been, I don't know, it's been a great transition so far.
0: Yeah, it it definitely was hard for me going from being busy all the time and needed all the time to not, you know, because being chief mm-hmm. of staff, I was pretty much up when you were, sleeping when you were you know, at your (laughs) office when you were (laughs) and doing pretty much as much as I could uh, to be as helpful as possible and to be there for the Mm -hmm. students and to be there for the office and stuff that we were serving. But, you know, after that, it's true. Some people do struggle following that because I struggled following that. I was more of on the side of what do I do now? I don't have anything to do anymore. When I go to campus, you know, when I would go to campus after, a lot of new people were around, you know, part of it was, who are you? And I'm like, well, (laughs) I was chief of staff for a year and secretary (laughs) for a year. And it's like, who are you? Like, you're coming (laughs) into my domain here. But it's true. It was very very eye-opening because then I had to figure out, well, what do I do now? How do I keep myself busy? Because, you know, going from, from very public to very private for some people, it's relieving. And then for some people, it can be kind of depressing at some point because now that you're not in that public role, nobody's right. asking for your help anymore. Nobody, you know, not as many people reach out to you anymore because everybody's so stuck in the present, you know, nobody necessarily worries about the, about the past or who was in in the past. Did you ever feel that kind of depressive state at some point, even though you were relieved and being in that private life, did you ever feel that, you know, you kind of missed being needed? You kind of missed being not important, but being so helpful and being so, you know, as, as we were advocates for higher education and, and stuff like that. Like, did you ever feel like you weren't working anymore?
1: Right. I think there was definitely a period, it was very bittersweet, where I was very happy with the work that we had done. Of course, there's always work to be done. Um, But I was really, I felt like we had really achieved something. And we'd also really set a culture, not even just for student government, but really just for FGCU in general, with like our tailgates that we were happening, like really trying to push the university university forward um, into a more inclusive and also just really improving the culture. So I really felt proud of the work that we collectively had done. Um, so, of course, I was really proud and I was really excited. But I was, it was also very bittersweet. Of course, like I missed the community. You know, I missed people stopping in my office and goofing off in between meetings or, you know, being able to go to meetings and see people who like I loved and had become friends and like family to me. So it definitely was really it was really it was a really transitional period in my life. I remember like the week I got done being student body president, um, my mom and I flew to Pennsylvania, which is where I was from, or where I am from. And, you know, I just spent a couple of weeks with my family and it really just helped ground me to um, realize that there's a life after this. You know, it's like the hype of it all and ending it. Um, there definitely was some moments where I really just missed the culture I missed being around people and being that advocate. Uh, but I think, you know, after two years and after even like three or four years within student government, um, I was just proud and and happy to kind of close that chapter um, in a way that I felt proud of and I felt really dignified. Um, and then also still with, with the Florida Student Association, I know we haven't talked about that yet, but also, you know, really being able to close that chapter as well and being the first person uh, that FGCU had serving in that position, I felt like I really was like, okay, like... I've really set up the future for FGCU within FSA, within student government, and it's up to the next person to kind of take control of that. And so, of course, I was sad, but I think I also really had just like this sense of relief and just overwhelming pride for, you know, what we had done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I felt I felt that we did a lot of good, um, not just, you know, you or myself, but the team did such an amazing job right. being self-starters. Uh, being owners of their own projects and and things that they were working on, so leaving definitely leaving the office was was bittersweet as well. I will admit, I definitely cried. Uh, I did because I, I didn't know what to do anymore. I'm like, well, this is it. No one's gonna know my name anymore. No one's gonna know the work that we did or what like. Oh okay you know we yeah. we did all these projects people would just think that it was just there uh, right but i guess that's kind of why we took the office it wasn't for the recognition it was just more of for our own belief that we could do some good and and we were able to do that i remember working so diligently on highlighting all of our projects green you know we went from red to yellow to green yes. um those planning meetings were were definitely something exciting. And being able to connect with students on a personal level, we attended some vigils, you know, unfortunately. We planned some memorials. We uh, engaged with with cultural students who Mm -hmm. felt that, you know, that they needed to show the university more of what they were about. And so we did a lot more than just work, work, work. We also played, but we played by connecting with people that was the biggest thing for me was being able to connect with people Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of the things we don't know from just walking through the hallways you know we have to engage in all these different things that that students were doing that we wouldn't do you know yeah so that was definitely an exciting part So moving into post-grad life, what would you say was Mm -hmm. the biggest difficulty, not just transitioning from that public life, but even just transitioning into adulthood, like graduating school, not having class anymore, not having, you know, uh, assignments to look up to or, or stuff like that? Like what was the most difficult part for you?
1: I think the most difficult part, and I think a lot of student leaders can relate to this, a lot of people who are In their undergrad career, they graduate, they get the job. I think a lot of us, you know, we are quote unquote in undergrad, we're at the top, right? We're orientation leaders, we're in student government, we're in Greek organizations, we're in X, Y, and Z. And we're at the top of those, we've worked really hard to get there. You graduate and then you go into corporate America and you're at the bottom of the rung and you are low level employee, most people I should say. Are you know low level employees? Maybe you're not making a ton of money right away. Um, and for me, I was like, oh, I'm student body president. I need to leave college. I need to be making six figures. I need to be, you know, in a director role, like whatever the case may be. And I think I really had to learn that you have to start somewhere. And I'm so glad that I learned that before it was too late where I got in a role and it was an entry-level role and I really loved it. I connected with people. I learned so much that has propelled me to being at Johnson & Johnson now. And I think a lot of people, they want to skip those steps to get to the top, but they don't wanna put in the work and get the humility and the skills that you get when you're working your way to the top. And so I think for me, one of the hardest pieces or one of the hardest things I had to learn was you're going to, you have to start somewhere, you have to put in the work, and then those results will show. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Because again, you want to be at that really high level, but you've got to start somewhere, you know, even if you've just graduated, or you're a year in. And so I think that was really one of the hardest things for me, I had to learn.
0: Agreed. I'm, you know, I still haven't graduated, I'm near graduation this year. However, I would say, like, You know, when I left student government, it kind of I was living that postgrad life in terms of, okay, now I'm dedicating myself full time to my current job. But I was always looking for the next move, the next promotion, the next available management role, the next, you know, because I was so used to being a manager, so used to being a supervisor. And I think I've come to learn that that doesn't make me a leader you know, like seeking that director position, that manager position, that supervisory position isn't what's going to make me a leader. I can be in that entry level position and still lead my team. You know, the the biggest part that people seem to forget is it's not right. Mr. or Mrs. Manager or Mr. or Mrs. Director that makes us leaders. It's how we lead a team, how we work with a team, how we move a team forward. That's what I think some people are, are losing or disconnecting with because they're afraid that they're losing power when in reality, every position, even those entry-level positions have a lot of power. I think that's what I was missing and I was forgetting. And I've
1: Absolutely.
0: come to kind of realize to keep myself in check about that because you know I'm losing myself in, in busting my butt so hard to get a promotion. I'm forgetting to lead.
1: Right. That's so true. That's so true.
0: So what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career?
1: One thing I wish I honestly knew before starting my career. I wish I knew more, being in the corporate America space, I wish I knew more about business because my background is more political science. So when I graduated, I knew the ins and outs of the government. I had pretty much worked to set myself up to go into a career in politics and so joining corporate america i really had no idea what anything was um and so all of the new terms and all of the new just the environment and how to thrive and you know return on investment i'm like what the heck is that or just different things like that i wish i would have known more i think that's more of like a tactical level i think more of a broad level um, and more of an emotional level. Um, I wish I knew that not everything is personal. And I think that's something that I really struggle with. Like decisions that are made in business are solely based on money. Um, And I really just made a lot of emotional decisions or a lot of personal decisions that I thought were kind of guiding with my values. Not saying I had to like lose my soul to be a part of corporate America, but really at the end of the day i wish i would have learned a little bit more of like taking that personal out of it and really being able to focus on where the dollars and the money makes sense
0: right i feel like a, a lot of us in any job that we join i mean even <laughs> even getting a degree in something that we are pursuing a career and you know you don't learn a lot of these things until you're on the job a lot of us will jump into a job and be like you know i learned all this in school i got it covered like you know no worries but a lot of situations are very case by case so a lot of situations are very like you just have to get through it and go through it to be able to understand it and learn from it because then you'll be able to make better decisions in the future and i mean that's one of the great things about you being young is Absolutely. being young is such a learning it's such a learning process it's such a growing process that's the point of growing the point of being young is to think about these things and make those mistakes or to go through certain situations and learn from the people that most influence us or the people who lead us to kind of either one of the great things I think about having a manager anywhere is either we have a really great manager and we learn a lot of great skills from them or we have a really bad manager and we still learn great skills because we learn what not to do, or what how not to act as a manager. I think that's one of the greatest things, because I've had both types. I've had great leaders, and I've had terrible managers, but I've still learned from both of them, and that's how I've been able to exercise a lot of, uh, a lot of decisions, or a lot of what I've learned from them, into my decision-making, into my teams that I'm working with, and stuff like that. So I you know I think it's beneficial to have both types of leaders because you really learn a lot from both.
1: Yeah, bouncing off of that, I mean, my for my last two jobs, for example, my my third job now I'm too early to know, but from what I can see, my manager is absolutely amazing. Um, but talking about that, my last two jobs I was at, um, obviously I won't say which one, just don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But um, one of my managers was the worst manager I could have ever had, like being so early and so young in my career. I mean, she was just everything you wouldn't want to be, you know, heartless, didn't care about you as a person, didn't care about your development, would tear you down. I mean, just absolutely the worst manager I could have ever had. Um, And then the other manager I had was just, I mean, fantastic, like cared about my growth, cared about my development, would help me and teach me and believed in me and gave me the tools to be successful. And I think you know, early in your career, like you mentioned, there's so many things you can learn from both managers, what you want to be and what you want to model. And, you know, a manager where you're like, I never want to be like that. And I want to, you know, be someone who people can look up to and people who can grow with. So I agree. I think there's so much to learn either way in either situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It really shapes who we end up becoming as our own version of a leader because. Even though a lot of the characteristics uh of ourselves as we become leaders are pretty much already not necessarily set, but we pretty much become the person we're going to be at a young age, whether that be middle high school, even college, but we're still able to learn, we're still able to to learn from each other, you know, even if even if we don't have managers, we, we're able to learn from our own colleagues, from our own classmates about good qualities, bad qualities, you know, what type of characteristics we want to see in ourselves that we want to then pass on to the people we're leading. I think that's one of the, the biggest things that it's excites me about leading a team is building more leaders. That's one of my biggest goals is to build more leaders because at the end of the day, that is your job as a leader. A leader's job is to bring out the best in the people that they're serving and that they're leading and then build bigger and better leaders to follow after. So that's really awesome though. Who are three people who have been the most influential to you?
1: The three people who've been most influential. The first person I'll mention um, was my previous boss. He really, one, he hired me after I got laid off uh, due to the pandemic. So he hired me. I did not have all the skills necessary for the role. Um, He saw my work ethic. He saw my resume and he, pretty much took a chance on me and um, really developed me, really wanted to grow me as a professional. He promoted me within a year before I even hit my year mark. He was really somebody who I aspire to be as a manager. And so I would say that would be the number one person, not the number one, but one of uh, the most influential people. The second would be probably my mom. I feel like everyone picks their mom, but definitely my mom. Um, just because she is such a hustler. Um, she's such, she's just like a woman that I embody to be like, like, just like as a wife and as a mom, um, she's so selfless. She's so caring. And, uh, I would say I'm not, I'm not like my mom and I want to be like her where, You just like really want to give and give and give and give. Um, So I would say definitely my mom is is one of the most influential people I would say in in my lifetime so far. I guess I would say, I don't know if, I guess everyone, not everyone will know who this is, but I would say Anna Eskamani. She's, she comes to mind for some reason. She's a state representative um, for the Orlando area. I think she's district 47. I want to say, I'm not, I'm not totally positive, but she just, is ruthless. She is ruthless. I mean, she, it's just incredible the work that she's doing for Floridians who have been on unemployment for not only people within her district, but really people within just like the state of Florida. She's really setting the mold for, um, you know, what a servant leader looks like. And I think regardless really of your political beliefs, she is somebody who will fight tooth and nail for just the people that she serves. I would say if I ever were to go back into politics, she would be somebody who I would want to kind of embody or model after It's just the way that she just cares and serves people. So I would, I would say those are my three, my, my old boss, um, my mom, and then <laughs> Anna Eskamani. <Escamone. laughs>
0: yeah. I would definitely have to agree with you on Anna Eskamani. So Anna Eskamani is a, florida state representative for district 47 which is a large part of orlando um and she has definitely been a huge advocate during the covid pandemic for unemployment benefits as well as access to resources uh, for the public that she serves and even beyond that even she's been helping people who have not lived in her district which is a huge part you know That state representatives, state senators, sometimes they seem to forget that not only are you serving your district and that is your priority, but at the end of the day, you're still representing the state of Florida and you still have some, you know, if you're able to, that engagement with people even outside your district will really help you a lot because it could bring people to want to live in your district it could bring people to want to live in your community because they know that they feel supported that they feel cared for and that they feel that they have a true leader that is that is there always behind their back what keeps you up at night what is something that you know when you're going to bed or sometimes uh, will wake you up in the middle of the night what's something that you know kind of just sits in the back of your head
1: oof This is a good question. Uh, Honestly, what keeps me up at night is the thought or the fear of not reaching my full potential or not giving my all to where I can reach my full potential. I feel like this past year and these past few years, like serving as student body president as FSA chair, I felt like I had really, at one point, I felt like I'm like, this is really, I've really stretched the boundaries to who I am. And I think a lot of people who do know me in that position or have known me in, in that background, they would not believe the person I was in high school. I mean, I was quiet. I just did a lot of service work through my church. I played softball. I was just really quiet and um, didn't have a huge friend group. I mean, I had like a smaller group and I think coming to FGCU and, running for a public position, it was truly outside of my comfort zone. Um, And I think being able to not only run once, but twice and running for two state board positions, it's just something that was totally outside my comfort zone. And when I had became, when I got elected for chair, I was like, this is it. I, I feel so like accomplished. And I feel like I've really achieved like what I've set out to do. And now it's like, I have just scratched the surface to what I can achieve. And I think that's something that really keeps me up at night is like, will I be able to continue this kind of momentum, um, with pushing the boundaries as to what I can achieve? And so I think that's something, honestly, that, that really keeps me up at night, I would say.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Um, Reaching your highest potential can be both exhausting and rewarding at the same time, because then you're always thinking in the back of your mind, am I doing the most that I can do? You sort of always know your limits, but sometimes, for example, during the COVID pandemic, you know, I was a sales coordinator in one of my previous jobs. And that was the biggest thing for me because I had just started as a sales coordinator and my whole excitement with joining that position was, okay, it's time to do some sales. It's time to sell, you know, the product that I was selling, but the pandemic had hit just a month and a half into my new role. And so I was just exhausted because I was also scared of, am I doing the best You know, am I being the best me, the best version of myself that I can be in this world? Am I doing my best in trying to sell the product that I'm selling and nobody's wanting to buy? What am I doing wrong? Even though I knew the pandemic was hitting and it was so difficult to sell something, I was still pushing myself because I really wanted to feel as if everything was normal, you know, even though I knew very well in the back of my mind that it wasn't. And I was trying my hardest. And I had to tell myself that I had to tell myself that it's not your fault that this has happened and you're going to hit these bumps in the road. You kind of just have to carry through and keep going.
1: Yeah, I think I think it was just a really a challenging year for everyone, for us to figure out what the heck is going on. And thank God we're all moving forward now as much as we can.
0: What would you say are the lessons you've learned just from life in general? What would you say, maybe like two or three lessons that you've learned and that you want to share with people so that they keep in the back of their mind?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say first life lessons that really comes to mind is be humble in everything that you do. There is nothing worse than someone who has achieved great things and who is braggy or their ego is crazy or, you know, they they just have enough pride for everyone in the world. I think really being humble, not only will more success come to you when you're humble, but also you just maintain this level of being relatable. And I think the one of the biggest things that I've learned is throughout being student body president and do, being FSA chair, like there's still that level of humility of people have trusted you to be in this position. And I think I would say that's one of the biggest life lessons I've learned just so far being so young is really just remaining humble. Um, The second really life lesson I've learned is do whatever you want as long as you're not harming someone else. I think our society with social media, with comparing, you know, everyone's life, I mean, You can know what someone's doing in a split second when they post a picture on social media or they post a tweet or they post a Facebook status. And I think it's really easy for us to judge someone or us to create an idea of who someone is or for us to think, oh, well, my life is not as great because Jason just got this director job and I'm not in a director role, so I blah, 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 or Jaleesa's doing this or this person's doing that. I think stay in your own lane and really just do whatever makes you happy. Like this pandemic, we I lost so many family members and just even throughout the last year. And it just has really reminded me that life is short. People are going to judge you anyway. People are going to have opinions of what you're doing. So it might as well be something that you want to do. And I think a really a big example of that for me is I always wanted to start a YouTube channel. It's always something I wanted to do. And I really just was like, well, like, I don't want people to think I'm, like, weird. I don't want people to think I'm trying to be, like, an influencer because I'm not or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I always had these, like, I never started it because I was afraid of everyone's opinion. And one day, like, I had a family pass, family member pass, and and it just reminded me, I'm like, life is so short. And if you don't do what you want to do, you're going to live everybody else's life. Um, And so I think that's really one of the the second biggest, if most, for me, most important life lessons is really focus on what you want to do, focus on your own lane and don't compare your journey to anyone else. And really that kind of leads into like my third and final one is don't, the comparison game is so easy to do, like I said, in social media we're constantly comparing each other's lives. It's like, oh, this person got engaged. This person had a baby. This person got married. This person got a new car. They got a new job, they whatever. And I think it's really easy for us to start comparing what each other has. Um, But I would say really just, you know, be focus on what you have. Focus on the joy that your life brings to you. Um, And just remember that the grass is always greener where you water it. And it's not always greener on the other side. So I would say those are really kind of the three big lessons, life lessons I've learned, you know, so far.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. I actually love all those lessons, and I appreciate you sharing that. I think the biggest one that I love—I mean, I love all three of them—but <laughs> staying humble and also don't compare yourself to others. Very, very important. You will lose yourself. Yeah. You will lose and, and lose who you are. Lose your own self if you start to put yourself in other people's shoes when they may seem like they're ahead, because you don't know what other people are going through at the same time. It may look like they got a new car, but what did they have to go through to get that car? Or someone may have gotten married, but how difficult is this marriage going to be in terms of planning it and in terms of organizing it? So we have to definitely count our blessings, be proud of who we are, be excited for our own future because we own our own future we own our own existence and our own life you know we're given this life it is now you know this life is like a new car it is given to us we own it we have to take care of it we have to make sure that we are putting gas in it you know what i mean we are making sure that we are being healthy we are being careful we are being honest we are being truthful
1: humble. we just have to
0: make sure that we are being the best version of ourselves yes. so humble yeah humility <laughs> is a large part of life yes. a lot of people who are not humble will not get uh to many places so so what is your absolute favorite quote and what would you say is the biggest drive Coming from that quote? You know, how does that quote inspire you? How does it keep you motivated? How does it keep you inspired? And just what is that quote that you can read every day and it'll get you started for that day?
1: Favorite quote? My favorite quote is actually a Bible verse. So I'm sorry if I get too spiritual for some people. Um, but my favorite Bible verse or guess quote. Um, is Proverbs 27, 19. And it's, as the water reflects the face, your heart reflects your life. Um, That's like the New Times version of it. But basically what it's saying is like, what's in your heart is going to reflect in your life. So if you are bitter and negative and angry and in a dark place, that's going to reflect what's going on in your life. If you fill your heart with love and empathy and Compassion and just love for people that's going to reflect in your life. And I think that's really one of my favorite kind of quotes is really just figuring like really investing in what's inside of you and that will continue to outpour into your life. So being positive, being able to like motivate people and just really whatever's in your heart is going to be in your life. So I would say that's like one of my favorite quotes. I live by it. I I'm always trying to invest in myself so I can pour into others.
0: Well, I think, you know, at some point, we all have to be spiritual in some way. So I'm glad you brought a Bible verse into it. Um, because whether you are a part of a religion or not, you know, being spiritual does not mean, you know, following a religion or or something like that. You know, being spiritual just means connecting with oneself and connecting with something else that inspires you, that keeps you motivated, and that um, definitely, you know, gives you the ability to carry forward, to, right. to keep moving, to keep staying motivated, to, to staying inspired and stuff. So I really appreciate that julisa white thank you so much for joining us on after class conversations i really have loved the time that we've spent together uh before this podcast and even during this podcast uh, being able to reconnect and stuff like that so (laughs) i'm so blessed to have (laughs) you in my life and i'm so thankful that you are my first ever podcast guest yes so thank you so much and i wish you the absolute best of luck in your future endeavors
1: What an honor, thank you so much, it's been so awesome.